pay attention to me. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Say something funny then. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> A little breathing exercises. Brr, brr, ma, ma. The girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't, don't. Oh my gosh, okay. it's from High School Musical. Yeah. Then the you know second that. bit was from TikTok. Oh, okay. <laughs> I believe you. The whole... Burr, burr, ma, ma. It's from High School Musical. Okay, I believe you. You know how long it's been since I've seen that movie? Way too long. Well, definitely not since we've been married, so I'm about to change that. Who okay. needs sleep when you have High School Musical to <laughs> Who watch? Who needs... I mean, me? No. Because I don't have High School Musical to watch. Yes, you do. I don't. Like and it. I wear the pants in this relationship. I mean, uh. not currently, because I'm not wearing pants right now. But um, cut that out. Okay. What's, <laughs> what's that What's that? Uh, Brad Paisley song? It's not who wears the pants, it's who wears the skirt. Are you wearing a skirt? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah. But what about that Brad Paisley song about like how men aren't really men anymore? Good point. <laughs> Touche. I don't really know where this conversation is going. Me neither. Hey, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of <laughs> Fam Damily. You're all part of the dammers i don't know <laughs> is that what we just we, i don't think I we don't actually did really decide no y'all are part of the big fam family so uh you just get to listen to these wonderful little tangents that we go on mm-hmm. and our breathing that exercises to, that lead to nowhere um all in favor of miles watching high school musical say i i what oh, did you hear that Everyone's i think i think i only heard no one no i said it i didn't hear am you. i no one Mm-mm. wow you have no proof of it you know what, Miles? Tell me a story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Before I oh. tell you a story, okay. I want you to guess. I'm going to list out some facts here real quickly, and I want you to take a guess Bet. of who this is. Michael Jackson. Okay. So to start off, no. To start <laughs> off, he was a president of the United States. Trump. No. He was considered a romantic he wrote thousands of love letters thousands of love letters to his wife huh is it lincoln he was 90 years old when he died okay (laughs) he was harvard educated at age 15 15 Mm -hmm. he and he practiced law in boston he was not a slaveholder that's a plus his son also became president it's Bush. He was the first president to live in the White House. So it's not Bush. It's not Bush. Okay. Who other? Which other president had a son become president? Hold on. He was the first to propose the idea of a U.S. military academy. Okay. And final clue. I hope you get this. He was the second president. I'm about to really Ooh, embarrass myself Courtney. here. Oh no! Can I tell you? I know like <laughs> four things. I know about four presidents. Not name them. Things. Name them. You already said like three just now. He said Lincoln, Trump, and Bush. And I know Obama. 
you know Obama personally. I'm Who? related to him. He is my 19th cousin, five times removed. Removed. Wow. So do you guys get together at family reunions and stuff? No. I've never seen him. Um, <laughs> I know about. Who was the first president? George Washington. There you go. Third I, president. I don't know. Really? No, I don't. Oh I, my goodness. I don't know what happened. I think I was sick the day that everybody learned that little <laughs> jingle about the presidents. And then I was like, what are you guys Same. talking about? And then they just continued to do it. And I never caught on. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I mean, I, I went to history classes and stuff, but those were the classes that I was like writing letters to my friends to pass in the hallway. Gotcha. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I have to admit that I only know really kind of the first, well, I guess three presidents. I'm not, I couldn't tell you who the fourth one was. Maybe. I don't I, think. Yeah. I, I could, could tell, tell you, who, you very little. I could tell you the sixth and seventh. The wow. part of the story. Oh. And, um, yeah, and the current ones, like, uh, what's his name? Um, Clinton. <laughs> I thought you were meeting <laughs> President Biden. I was like, wow. I guess him too. Um, yeah, I, First, I've always been kind of embarrassed about my lack of knowledge of presidents. That's okay. That's okay. People are always like, oh, there's this many presidents and this president was this number. And I'm like, huh? Okay. Are you speaking French? Because <laughs> you might as well be. Okay. Well, I hope this name rings a bell to you. John Adams. Nice. You don't know? Do you know okay, who that is? Okay, yes. So, John Adams. John Adams. I knew the name. I didn't know which number he was. Do you know what uh, his whole role in America was? Well, he um, didn't own slaves. He didn't own slaves. Good job. He was the first one to live in the White House. Wow. How do you know that? <laughs> he um, also did this really cool thing about uh, recommending the Academy for something with military. Yeah. Good job. See, I know. Well, I'm really impressed that you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I know so much about presidents. Quiz me. Just kidding. Don't do that. Okay. So anyway, so John Adams, second president. He was a descendant of Henry Adams. And he, Henry Adams was the first of... The Adams family didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so when does Wednesday come in? Right. Later on. After Tuesday? <laughs> anyway, enough with uh, the puns. Uh. So Henry Adams was the first of his family to emigrate from England. on, And it was actually one of the first um, colonizers of the Massachu- of Massachusetts Bay Colony. Nice. And that was around 1636. Uh, time doesn't exist. We've time established this. Time doesn't exist. <laughs> I like the older stories, you know. Yeah. No, that's cool. Okay, keep going. So, and not much else is said of his ancestors besides really his father. Um, it goes into a little bit, but a lot of it is just kind of like, oh, he he did this. Like, he was a farmer. He was whatever it was. Sure. But anyway, so John Adams was born to John Adams Sr. So, this is another story where... Everyone's name every, John? Everyone's name is John. <laughs> Wow. Everyone's name is John. You know, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. In 30 years, there's not going to be a single kid named John. Yeah, because it's just outplayed. And then 500 years from now, What am I talking about? John. It's going to live on forever. That's going to be the longest standing name in the history of names. Where did the name John come from? We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to go into that. Oh, man. We could do a whole episode on John. I mean, we have the past three episodes. <laughs> okay, good. We like John. 
So, he was born to John Adams Sr. and Susanna Boylston Adams. And he was born 30th of October, 1735. So, John Sr. Sounds Australian. Huh? 30th, October. October 30th. Thank you. You're welcome. Americanize yourself, man. America. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, John Sr. was a farmer and a cobbler who cobbled things. Okay. (laughs) Like that. Gilmore Girls episode we watched the other night when Kirk was dressed <laughs> up in the old-timey militia outfit. <laughs> Who Never are mind. these people? It's Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that episode. <laughs> anyway, so he was a cobbler, so a shoemaker, basically. Did you know what a cobbler was before I that? did not, but okay. I, I've already embarrassed myself enough, so I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Just ask, ask questions, because I don't know a lot either. Sure. All right, so John Adams Sr., he was also a deacon in his church a lieutenant in the militia, and a selectman, or a town councilman, who supervised the schools and the roads. Is this um, the president or his dad? His dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, John Adams, the president. Senior. He, yes, his dad. The one who was not president. Got you. Yep. Um, so, he was, he was a pretty busy guy. And then his mother, Susanna, was the daughter of Peter Boylston and Anne White Boylston. And her family, she was her family was very well respected in New England. Um, they were like leading scientists and doctors and everything in the area. Um, they were great. Uh, two honorable mentions to them was a cousin of hers who was a benefactor of Harvard, and a guy named Zabdiel Boylston who was the first American physician to perform surgery. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Wasn't isn't it? All right. Hopefully so jo- that surgery went well. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still have surgeries today, so there must have been something good about it. Well, just they've adapted to the times and everything and whatever. I don't know. Technology's <laughs> advanced a lot since then as well, true. I'm pretty sure. True, true, true. So John Sr. and Susanna, so John Adam Sr., the father, and Susanna lived on a farm in what is now Quincy, Massachusetts. And John had purchased this in 1720. Okay. So he owned this before they were married okay and he was so he was primarily a farmer during the growing season and then he was a cobbler during the winter during the winter time okay yeah Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah and as mentioned as well he was also a selectman and a deacon so going back to that uh, his house was often visited by local and church officials to discuss business and religion and john jr um, he went on to say, like, you know, even in the obituary and everything, he said uh, he would always talk about how much he had, um, how how much he respected his father, and forefathers for that matter, and he praised each of them as independent country gentlemen who never had gone bankrupt, didn't gamble, uh, uh, nor committed fraud. Hmm. Ever committed fraud? So good for them. Yeah, that's pretty good word. Mm-hmm. So, John and Susanna had three sons. There was John, you know, the one who went on to become president. Mm -hmm. And he was the oldest. And then Peter, not much is said about Peter. And Elihu, I think is how you pronounce it. Elihu. Elihu. Whatever. It's E-L-I-H-U. Names were different back then. All right. And Peter was a farmer, and he was also a militia captain of Braintree, which is the area they lived in. That was the name of the, in Massachusetts, the town that they lived, Braintree. And Elihu, Elihu, how do you pronounce that? 
He was a company commander during the American Revolution, and he died early in the war in 1775 from dysentery, which is bloody diarrhea. Oh. <laughs> he died from bloody diarrhea. I was about to say, I know what that is. I did not know that. <laughs> what did you think it was? I don't know. I didn't know what it was before this either. Because I had, I had to look it up. I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. That's a horrible way to That's die. That's a horrible way to die. They didn't so going have Taco Bell back then. <laughs> Imagine how worse it would have been. For him. It's like that movie. Uh, was it A Million Ways to Die in the West? Oh my gosh. Neil Patrick Harris in the hat <laughs> scene. You know what I'm talking about? Uh... He got, um, they slipped him like some laxatives in his drink. Because mm-hmm. he had like a shootout the next day. And he went out to do a shootout and got pretty bad diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah. What a time. (laughs) (laughs) Seth MacFarlane humor right there. For sure. (laughs) All right. So John Adams Jr. So his formal education began when he was age six. He started at a Dane boy for a Dane school for boys and girls. Okay. Um, which was a small private school, and it was hosted in just like you know the teacher's house and whatever. Oh, cool. And then Braintree Latin School, in which he learned Latin, logic, rhetor- uh, rhetoric, and arithmetic. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, despite his academic su- success, so he was doing well in school at the time. He didn't like school, and he was often late or absent, and he didn't like his teacher, or what they called master back then, I guess. Okay. And he often his he often expressed his desire to become a father, like a farmer like his father. Uh, <laughs> I think I need to go to bed. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but his father he had pushed him to stay in school and saying, "You shall comply with my desires." Those were his words. Like, "You shall comply with my desires." And so since his father was, you know, the statement, um, the selectman for the state, he, um, and he supervised the schools and everything, he had a little bit of pull on who his teacher would be. Oh, okay. So he changed the teacher. And then after that, John, he responded positive, positively to the change. Cool. And then age 16, oh, I said 15 before, didn't I? Age 16 was when he went to Harvard. And in adulthood, Adams was much more accepting of education and studied ancient writers and philosophers and in their original language. So he was, wow. a, he was a smart guy. Because a lot of these. In their original language, that's really impressive. Right. Because I think it was, uh, you know, Greek, a lot of these philosophers. So learning Latin and Greek, good for yeah. him. Good for him. Now, his father, he was leading him in the direction to become you know, a clergyman, a minister. Uh-huh. But after John Jr. received his degree, he started to teach in school, a place called uh, Worcester. And then while, and he was doing that while he was trying to figure out what he wanted to be when he grew up. Very and nice. Then, yeah. And then about a year into his teaching, he I think he said he taught for four years. Um, he, so about a year later, <laughs> yeah, about a year later, he, you need to get the brush, this brush away from me. <laughs> About a year after he graduated, he started to feel a little unsatisfied in his reputation, and then he sought for more. So what Don't he did me. is decided to become a lawyer. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
pulling a nice old Kim K on us. Yeah. And then he wrote to his father about it, and he said that among lawyers he found, quote, noble and gallant achievements, whereas among the ministry and clergy, he said he found, again, quote, pretended sanctity of some absolute dunces. What? <laughs> so he basically was saying that they were fake. The clergy? The clergy was fake. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slap in the face to his dad, right? Yeah. But anyway, so come the year 1756 uh, is when Adam began, Adam, John Adams began studying his law. And then two years later, 1758, he received his Master of Arts. And then in 1759, he was admitted to the bar because he was over 21. Cool. Didn't. <laughs> Bad joke, sorry. No, I was actually about to ask you how old he was. <laughs> Uh, good question. So he was born 1735. So he was like 23 years old, 24 huh. years old. Right? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. And then 1761, a, a man named James Otis Jr. challenged the British law that allowed British troops to search the homes of the people without any warning or reason. So this whole uh challenging that this guy james otis jr the whole challenge that he issued to these people really inspired john adams and that's kind of what inspired him to go on to the american revolution it was like you know yeah british people are kind of pig-headed mm-hmm. same i think that way too <laughs> i'm just kidding just kidding. <laughs> just kidding so late 1750s john fell in love with Quince, with Hannah Quincy. Aww. And then there was one point where it kind of sounded like he was already down on one knee, just about to propose. But then his friends interrupted. <laughs> and then the moment was kind of lost and never to be found again. Ever? Ever again. <gasps> with, this, with this particular girl. But then he met his third cousin, Abigail oh. Smith, which, you know, according to Dwight Schrute, isn't it's great for bloodlines and not technically incest. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying it was normal back then. Oh, man. So Abigail Smith, they were third cousins. No. And he said initially he wasn't that, you know, attracted to her. It was, so he was introduced to her at the same time as her two older, well, two other sisters. Um, and he said none of them were, quote, fond, nor frank, nor candid. So I guess he had a thing for names. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Another bad joke. <laughs> but then he and Abigail, they started to hang out and hit it off a little bit better and get closer a little bit. And they found out that they shared a lot of interests and very similar like personality traits and everything. And the same grandpa, but whatever. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> I guess their grandpas were friends, but... I don't know. I don't want to go into it <laughs> too much. <laughs> they were third cousins. That's what we need to know. So John Adams Sr., so the dad, he died in 1761. And then John Adams Jr. inherited inherited his nine and a half acre farm with the house. Very nice. And then they lived there kind of off and on for 23 years. Him and what's her face? And Abigail. Abigail Smith. Okay. And then they both married on October 25th, 1964. Abigail's mother was apparently against it, but they went through with it anyway. 
And then together, John and Abigail had six children. And their names were Abigail, who they called... Nabby? Nabby. <laughs> so Abigail, who they called Nabby. She was born in 1765. And then she was... A um, little kind of a side note, not much going into her, but she was supposed to be married to be married at 18. Or she was going to get married at 18. And her father, John Adams, was kind of against that, but he's like, you know, whatever. That didn't end up happening, and she married some other guy later on. I just thought it was funny because I didn't mention this, but Abigail was 15 when they both met. John and <laughs> John like, and Abigail. 18 is way too young. <laughs> yep. Your, your mother thought... just turned 19. <laughs> Give her some time. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. And then John Quincy Adams, who was the one who later became president. Oh! Ding, 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 I ding, totally ding. knew that. Yeah, you did. Wow, my ninth grade history teacher would be <laughs> so ashamed of me right now. Yeah, we'll get them to listen, and then they can be ashamed of you while they're listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has no idea who I am anymore. Probably not. Uh, and so he was the sixth president. He was born in 1967. Susanna, who was born in 1968, but she died at age one. Aww. Yeah, pretty sad. And then Charles, who was born in 1770. Thomas, born in 1772, and then the next kid was born uh, five years later, Elizabeth, but she was, well, she was still born, so, yeah, they lost, they lost two daughters pretty, pretty early into their life. Oh, that's so sad. Um, But between that time, it kind of seems like, I guess they took time off for the war (laughs) during that time because it was like, you know, five years apart, everyone else was like two years, one year. Yeah. Yeah. So all three of their sons, so John Quincy, uh, Charles, and Thomas, they um, they all eventually became lawyers. But Charles and Thomas, the two younger brothers, were driven to the bottle due to the lack of success. That's what I wrote down, word for word. Wow. <laughs> so basically, they weren't successful in their vocations at all. So they just took up drinking and then died before old age could get to them. That's so sad. It is sad. Yep. What a waste. I know. But then it says that John Quincy excelled at what he did. And we'll go into a a little bit about John Quincy later. Okay. So John Adams, he himself was pretty successful up until, you know, when he started getting a little bit more uh, prominence in his career, which started with the Stamp Act of 1765. Uh, which was... I've heard of that. Yeah. You, you've heard of it? Do you know yeah. what it is? Nope. Keep going. So basically, the the Stamp Act was just Britain's way of, you know, adding more taxes to the colonies. Um, trying to get more money out of them to, uh, I guess, support their side of everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were... I mean, you'll get this later on as well, but a lot of what they did to the colonies was kind of unjust. Whereas well. they, they took, you know, their delegates or the delegates from the colonies in the courts and everything. They took their pay and gave them to their own you know, judges and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so during this time, John Adams went, he wrote a f- multiple essays and submitted them to different papers here and there under the pen name Humphrey Plowjogger. I thought it was an interesting name. That is an interesting name. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about it. Like, I don't know where he got this name. Like, you know, for starters, Humphrey. I mean, that 
I don't know how common of a name that was back then. I don't know many Humphreys around that time. But plow jogger, I'm just like, you know, they were farmers, I guess. And a lot of the time when they take last names and everything, they do it, they kind of tie it to their profession. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, tailors were once tailors. Yeah. And you know, if smiths you really, were blacksmiths and If such. you really wanted to be, like, inconspicuous, he should have just gone with John. <laughs> <laughs> just John. <laughs> that would round it down. John Johnson. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to be inconspicuous. That was just his pen name. So I'm not I'm not sure what his uh his ultimate goal was besides, you know, revolutionizing everything cuz that was what he was known for primarily. Wait, wait, wait. Wouldn't John Adams like he could have been considered John Johnson? Yeah. No, seriously. Because remember like Odinson? <clears throat> yeah. Johnson. John Johnson. Yeah, probably. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. John yeah. Johnson. Or Adams, you know. <laughs> but anyway, the, the name kind of got me thinking, like, you know, back since, you know, as I was saying, they took their their professions and made them last names. So, like, plow jogger, maybe it was, like, a very, considered, like, a very tough name because, you know, he jogged with the plow for the fields and everything. I don't know. It yeah, just got me thinking yeah, about it. Sense. Anyway. So Anywho, <coughs> man, I'm coughing a lot tonight. Thank you. All right, so 1766. After much effort from John Adams and his cousin Samuel Adams, he's pretty. He was also one of the founding fathers, and everything. I know that name. Oh, good. You know Samuel Adams, but you don't know John Adams. I knew John Adams. <laughs> I just forgot. We okay. won't go into it. It's okay. <laughs> so yeah, after they, after their efforts and everything that they put into kind of repealing the the sand back it worked and it eased the tensions between britain and the colonies for a little bit so john adams moved his family to boston in 1768 so he could focus more on his law practice okay uh there they rented a house and this is kind of where it goes like on and on like they were on the they had that farm and house in braintree but they moved back and forth a lot and so they moved into a house on Brattle Street, which was locally known as the White House. Huh. Yeah. So they lived there for a year, and then they moved to Cold Lane, which I guess is just a different place in this area. And then they moved into a bigger house after that in the city square. You look like you want to ask me a question. Was it actually the White House? No. It was just a house called the White House? A house called the White House. That's adorable. Yeah. It's like their life's prophecy. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if well, that's where they got the name from it. They just liked it. No, people just weren't that original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I mean, like, the White House wasn't really established up until, you know, John Adams, when he was yeah, president. But, but but you were just going on about people naming, giving their last names after the profession. True. Like. True. Of course they called it the White House. What else would they call it? <laughs> it wasn't the, blue. <laughs> the eggshell house. <laughs> the, the off white. <laughs> <laughs> and then they eventually moved into a biggie house in the city square. Then 1767, Britain was again taxing the colonies, which gave rise to more tension and increased violence, which led to more British troops being dispatched to, to these colonies. Okay. 
Now, with these tensions rising, the colonists, they were kind of looking to take the anger out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they found an opportunity on March 5th, 1770. There was a lone sentry he had wandered off from his little group, and he was attacked by a group of men and boys. The eight soldiers that were in his little company, they came to his aid, but then this little mob of men and boys grew to several hundred pretty rapidly. Wow. And then these people started throwing all sorts of stuff like snowballs, icicles, stuff like that at these um, at these troops. And so two of the British troops retaliated by firing into the crowd, killing five of the people, five of the civilians that were attacking them. And this was known as the Boston Massacre. Oh. Yeah. I... So, I heard about that once upon a time. <laughs> Pretty sure it was on a few tests back in my day. Back in my day. I mean, have you used it since up until now? You know, I'm still waiting for that lesson from Miss Rachel. I just <laughs> haven't gotten that far. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> all right. So the the soldiers, so all nine of these soldiers and a few of the civilians, they were charged with murder. And when no other attorney would defend them, John Adams stepped up okay. to defend them, which I respect him a lot for doing this because these were British troops that he started to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he was he basically stepped up, giving no regard to his reputation. And he's like, you know, everyone deserves a just trial, you know, going to his lawyer stuff and everything. Being his defense, being the defendant, he was able to lessen their punishment so six of the soldiers were acquitted, and the uh, two other ones, the ones that fired into the crowd, were charged with just manslaughter. And well, not just manslaughter. They were charged with manslaughter, which is and, a lesser charge. Which than is murder. a lesser, yeah. yeah. And all that they received was just like a branding on the hand. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm sure that would have hurt, but I mean, even so, like you know, it's better than spending however long they would have, or even death penalty back then. Sure. For yeah. it. So, of this incident, John Adams said, It is more important that innocence be protected than it is for guilt to be punished. I wrote that down. That's not pertinent to the story. I just thought that was, like, really cool. Pretty powerful. His mindset. A lot of people said that John Adams had immovable integrity. Oh, that's nice. So, good for him. Good for him. Immovable. Uh Uh-huh. Or another synonym for immovable. Basically... He had an opinion and it wouldn't change. No, no I like it. I like that word. Me too. And so this incident, even though, you know, despite the initial probably attacks against his reputation that he that he had, it actually ended up doing great things for him, including him being the first choice for a vacancy on the Massachusetts legisla- legislature. Wow. Yeah. Then in seventeen seventy one his family he moved his family back to Braintree but he kept and stayed in Boston as Boston office and then about a year later he got lonely and figured his family would do <laughs> yeah there a were a lot year. yeah there were a lot of letters i mean you know he wrote thousands of love letters to his to his wife so yeah. i'm sure this was in between it but yeah a year later wow what a different time yeah no you're gone for 8 hours a day and i lose my mind yeah i know Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Courtney, you never leave me alone. But yeah, so he moved them back to 
to Boston thinking, you know, they could do a little bit better up there with him. Yeah, he moved moved them all back and then purchased a larger brick house that was closer to his office. In 1774, things in Boston became started to become unstable, so they moved back to Braintree. Hmm. So there was a lot of back and forth, like I yeah, said before. sounds like it. Um, so, the, yeah, they were living at the farm again. Then leading up to the revolution, John Adams was said to always be more conservative than the other founders. Okay. So his his thinking was that despite the unjust actions from the British, our revolt was unwarranted. Okay. Like, you know, yeah, it sucks what's happening to us, but, you know, retaliation, violence, that kind of stuff isn't the answer. This opinion of his, it kind of started to change around 1772 when the King of England was basically stealing the legislature's pay mm-hmm. and giving it to his own judges. John Adams, along with his cousin Samuel mm-hmm. and another dude named Joseph Hanley, Hawley, sorry, Joseph Hawley, they decided that independence was better than tyranny. And so that's when they started working a little bit more for independence. Gotcha. So come time around the Boston Tea Party. What do you okay. know about the Boston Tea Party? Um, they were getting mad at Britain for taxing their tea so they threw it overboard perfect that's right did i get an a you got an a thanks now john adams of this event said that it was the grandest event of colonial protest and was necessary action in the fight for independence okay then come 1774 samuel again his cousin cousin samuel adams he instigated the first continental congress in response to these quote-unquote intolerable acts Mm -hmm. so four delegates were chosen including john adams to go to philly and join a committee to um and basically what this committee was doing was writing all their grievances from you know different areas to king george the third who was the king of england at the time Uh and so during john adams absence while he was in philly he and abigail continued to write and she mentions that you know she was struggling but what he was doing you know she was supporting him basically gotcha like yeah you know it sucks here but what you're doing is important you need to keep at it yeah so like respect to her as well i can't imagine what it's like with uh what would that be respect yeah <laughs> what would that be? Uh, you know with four <laughs> kids home at the time is what i was gonna say <laughs> i'm sorry the pause was there i had to jump in sure 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 (laughs) (laughs) all right so 1775 come the battles of lexington and concord i've heard of those there were the initial battles to start off the american revolutionary war i know things you know things i'm so proud of you just uh jog my memory a little bit (laughs) yep i promise (laughs) i grew up in america america and then May 10th, 1775. I'm getting a history lesson from the Australian. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> You're okay. I did a lot of reading on this. So, I mean, if you did reading, you'd probably tell me more and know more about this. But I didn't know too much about John Adams before this. But, like, his, I feel like his story is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're telling it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're so, okay. Go ahead. So, May 10th, 70, 1775 was the second Continental Congress. And John Adams, he was the leader of the Massachusetts delegation. And in this Congress, he voiced his opinion on if retaliate. Basically, his opinion was if retaliation is practical, it's acceptable. 
That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So in June of that year, 1775, he nominated George Washington as the commander-in-chief of the army. And of George Washington, he said, well, he basically commended his skill and experience and excellent universal character. Yeah, this George Washington fellow sounds pretty important. Yeah, never heard of him before this. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Great Britain, they tried many times to ease the tension between them and the colonies, including uh, the Olive Branch petition. Yes. Yes. But all of these attempts, John Adams was opposed to and rejected them. Okay. Then October of the same year, 1775... He was appointed chief judge in Massachusetts, in the Massachusetts Superior Court. So he's, you know, making his way up in the world. He's getting there, getting a big reputation. Mm -hmm. And then the first half of 1776, John Adams was getting impatient with how slowly things were moving with the whole independence movement. And so during this time, he started to establish rapport with Thomas Jefferson. And then that's when they kind of get together and become buddies. (laughs) And then, to, so Thomas Jefferson, actually, he was initially against independence, but as time went on, he was kind of, you know, faced with the same thing, like, you know, it's going to, it has to happen because this is getting ridiculous. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So Adams picked five people to draft the Declaration of Independence. Pop, pop quiz. Do you know who they were? John Hancock. <laughs> He no. signed it. He signed the it. The biggest. John Adams. <laughs> yeah, John Adams was one. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was another. Sam Adams. Sam, Mm-mm. no. He was um, not one of them. George Washington. Mm-mm. Wow. Uh, Thomas Jefferson. Yes. I have him written as TJ. I'm going to refer to him <laughs> as TJ now. That's probably disrespectful. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. Um... <laughs> Okay, I don't know who the that's last okay. Two. I don't know who the other two were either. It's Robert R. Livingston and Roger Sherman. Oh, that's my next guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so T.J. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I I have their initials written down just to make my notes a little bit more consolidated. So anyway, Thomas Jefferson thought that John Adams should be the um, the writer of the independ- of the Declaration of Independence, but John Adams convinced the their little committee otherwise for thomas jefferson to do it and thomas jefferson went on to say like you know all sorts of things like you know you're smart you're great you know all these things but then john adams turned around and he's like you know i'm not half as good as a writer of half as good of a writer as you are and he went on and said like all these things about thomas jefferson and basically commending him for all of his <laughs> skills and everything he's like so that's why you should do it you still had a little bromance they had going. a little bromance going on <laughs> And that's funny because I'll I'll get to this in a little bit as well, but I'll mention it now too. But he and Thomas Jefferson, they were, it said in the article I was reading that they were longtime friends, but political rivals. So I'm like, you know, they were probably still buddies even during their, you know, campaigns against each other for presidency. Well, I mean. But. (laughs) They had a lot of nice things to say about each other. They did. Little, uh brown to rub on each other's noses right there <laughs> <laughs> right all right so anyway a lot of things happened up until the end of the war of um the war for independence okay 
so we know the signing of the declaration of independence and everything so john after, hancock john hancock <laughs> that's the big giveaway for the or takeaway i mean the i big knew takeaway that for was this. So in October 1776, <laughs> he was uh, John Adams was able to return with his family, but just he but then just to leave again to resume his congressional duties in January 1777. So oh. he was only with them for you know four months, three months, four months. Home for the holidays. Yeah, three months. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was. He then became commissioner to France, and he had a lot of diplomatic. Uh, he went on to have like a lot of diplomatic relationships with a whole bunch of European places, um, France being among the first. And he said he was a big backer up of this whole international treaty kind of thing uh-huh. because he claimed that it was important for independence, to maintain his independ- the independence for the U.S. Okay. Which makes sense. I mean, you know, if you have trade with other places, then you're, you're set. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, John Adams, he... So, while Thomas Jefferson was working on the Declaration of Independence, John Adams had been working on this thing called the Model Treaty, which was basically a template for um, commercial treaties to to make with, you know, foreign places, foreign countries. Uh Uh-huh. Then February 1778, both he and his son, John Quincy Adams. So John was, well, how old was he? Nine? So 11. So John Quincy Adams was 11 when they left together for France. And during this trip to France, it's, you know, it's a long way by a ship. Uh-huh. Um, they went through treacherous storms and they were pursued by British ships. One of dun, which, dun, dun. yeah, one of these ships, w- um, John Adams actually helped to... Um, to cl- not claim what's the word we basically take over the ship yeah mm-hmm. okay so go john and it's then like, uh, yeah just like, like what like pirates of the caribbean yeah exactly so it's April- weird to think <laughs> that these movies were actually based off of things that happened right sorry right continue. like the kraken that was a real thing <laughs> Davy Jones Locker. Davy Jones Locker. Locker. Uh, Fishman. I don't know what that is. Fishmen. Fishmen. Men that are fish. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, true stories. (laughs) So April 1st, 1778, they arrived in France. And there they attempted to kind of negotiate with them and gain the French Navy's support. But they were rejected. Oh. He went on more expeditions up until about 1788, you know, between different countries trying to get diplomatic relations. Sure. And then in 1778, he returned to Braintree, and he lived there again as a farmer. But the first election was approaching, and everyone was saying, like, you know, George Washington, he's going to be the president. So everyone was expecting that, but the vice president position, uh, everyone was saying, like, you know, it should probably go to a northerner. And John Adams was the primary contender for it. Oh, cool. Now, so Alexander Hamilton, he didn't Alexander want Hamilton. that guy. He didn't want John Adams to be president at this time. So he convinced, so he's, it said that at least seven of uh, the people that voted for George Washington, Alexander Hamilton convinced to not vote for John Adams. 
Wow. So he really didn't want John to be to be the president. Okay. Yeah. So John Adams served as vice president for two terms with George Washington as the president. And then George Washington said, he claimed, I'm not going to serve a third. He refused. So good for him. <laughs> so the presidency after George Washington was between Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. That's where the whole, you know, longtime France, political rivals thing comes in. Sure. So it was a pretty close call in the long in the in the end of it, but ultimately John Adams won. And he was sworn into office in seventeen ninety seven. Now, as a president, I don't want to say too much against him because, you know, he was a hard worker and everything, but as a president he didn't have a lot of things going for him. He did a couple of, you know, accomplishments, but some of them were also kind of unpopular. Oh, okay. Um, for example, the Alien and Sedition Acts. Uh, these were there were four laws that applied restriction to immigration and speech, which was highly unpopular. And John Adams, you know, he was a huge patriot and everything, and so I'm not sure what his big opposition to immigration was. I guess they were trying to get their own country settled before they started accepting other people, but I don't know. I didn't read too much into that. And then another, um, I guess, accomplishment you can say was the Quasi-War, which is an undeclared war between 1798 to 1800 that was between the French and the U.S. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was part of that too. But then um, that's really, I mean, there are a couple other ones, but I'm not going to go into them, one, for time's sakes, and two, because they're just, like I said, not very popular sure, among the and- people. And the thing is, too, is that, you know, this was over 200 years ago. Yes. And so politics back then are very different from politics now, but opinions are still very strong. Yes. And so, you know, without getting too into it, just because, I I don't know. Because I don't (laughs) like politics. Right. Like, we don't (laughs) need to talk too much about um, the real political side of it, other than what we know about history. So. Mm -hmm. True. Just play it safe. Anyway. So, giving an honor, honorable mention to his son, John Quincy, the sixth president. He was a pretty cool kid. Much of his childhood, he spent in Europe with his father as a diplomat. Cool. And then he returned, when he returned to the U.S., he started his own legal practice, which went on to be very successful. And in 1794, he became an ambassador to the Netherlands. And then 1817 to 1825, he was the secretary of state. 1824 this was the election that he was appointed as the president and there was not really any clear winner oh. and so the house of representatives i guess they had them sent up for a debate and then they decide they were going to decide who should be the next president and john quincy was the one who who won that huh. and his presidency kind of sounded i mean i don't want to say boring because I don't think it was boring, but what they said it was harmonious and productive. So, like, pretty peaceful, and he got stuff done. Nice. Yeah. Good so on him. Good job, John Quincy. You but know, anyway. I was thinking, they traveled throughout Europe to get, you know, these people on their side. Mm-hmm. If they can do that, 
I can set up an appointment with the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to pick up the phone. I don't have to get on a boat for months. To think they got on a boat to go and be like, hey, we should be allies just to be rejected. Whereas what you have to do is just pick up a simple phone. Yeah. And call them and say, hey, I need an appointment. It's a huge commitment. I don't know if I have that in me. I believe in you. <laughs> uh, I believe in you. Is there more to your story? No, that's really it. Cool. I think John Adams, up to his, you know, his his whole career before his presidency was was pretty fascinating. There's yeah. a whole TV series about his his contributions and everything. Really? And I've seen a couple episodes of it. What is and it? That was really cool. It's just, it's called John Adams. Oh, okay. It's really cool. Yeah, I didn't realize how much I didn't know about him, but I know I would be interested to learn more about um, his presidency too, and like the things that he did accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, popular or not, like I still, it's I, I feel like it's still good to know. Yeah, I mean, I can I can list them off if you want me to. Sure. Yeah, if you have some of the accomplishments. Yeah, for sure. Give me a minute. Just because you know, I really haven't had a ton of knowledge of like the presidents of the united states and some of the things that have happened and i I feel like it makes me it Mm. makes it so that i don't really have a leg to stand on when it comes to political views Mm -hmm. um because how could i like i don't even know the history and i do but i i really don't you know what i mean right no i get it i get what you mean so there's the failed peace commission and xyz affair and the XYV, uh, XYZ affair was a political and diplomatic episode in 1797 and 1798. Mm-hmm. And it involved a confrontation between the United States and Republican France. Oh, okay. So that was what led to the quasi-war. Oh, okay. Yeah. There is the Alien Sedition Acts. I mentioned that one. That's the one where it was four laws that uh, put restrictions on immigration and speech. Okay. There was Freeze Rebellion. So this was leading up to it. It was um, about taxation from uh, by the federal government to help pay for the military buildup for the Quasi War. Got you. Then Federalist Federalist Divisions and Peace. Okay. So John Adams was known as a feder- Federalist as opposed to a Republican. Okay. And that has a lot to do with you know Alexander Hamilton. Actually, I feel it's also important to kind of talk about after his presidency as well okay because he afterwards he went to um he went back to farming um at peacefield in the town of quincy and then he started to work on his autobiography and so that's where we get like a lot of the information because he was he was big into diary writing he would take notes on everything Hmm. so props to him yeah Yeah, i i used to be like that (laughs) then i stopped dear diary dear diary love John Adams. Oh, we were going different (laughs) (laughs) directions. Now I'm just picturing (laughs) back then. I'm picturing you with cute little pigtails next to the window as it snows. We could probably do pigtails right now. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So he, it says that he was generally pretty quiet on public matters. Mm -hmm. I guess from the sounds of it, he was kind of against jefferson as president and well not necessarily him as president but his actions that he took as president and he said that 
instead of opposing systematically any administration, running down their characters and opposing all their measures, right or wrong, we ought to support every administration as far as we can in justice. So that kind of, you know, hints at he wasn't really a fan of it, but it's like, you know, he's the president, we got to respect what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I really respect his kind of, his attitude towards things. Yeah, he sounds like an upstanding citizen. Yeah. Ex-president, too. It says he also did privately criticize the president as well. What's that like? I don't know. I've never heard of it. (laughs) So after Jefferson retired from public life, Adams became more vocal. And he actually ended up publishing three-year marathon of letters to the Boston Patriot newspaper. And he refuted line by line Hamilton's 1800 pamphlet. Wow. Whatever that is. Maybe I should read about that too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I guess, you know, since Jefferson wasn't president anymore, there weren't really any many more repercussions that he could face. Sure. So. Yeah. But yeah, John Adams was a cool dude. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. That's a cool story. Yeah. It's like the first time in a decade that I've learned about (laughs) the u.s history and it was actually interesting so yeah thanks you're welcome it's actually kind of funny as well because ben franklin went on a lot of these expeditions with him as well and (laughs) it's it was talking about how much ben franklin drove john adams mad (laughs) like he would get annoyed so bad that's funny by ben franklin because he was very like I mean, you know, Ben Franklin was kind of a, a sleazeball. So I've heard. So, yeah. And so he, like, what he would do, he was very, I guess, charismatic. Because he wasn't a very good-looking guy, from the paintings, at least, from what I've seen. You weren't into that? No, I wasn't. <laughs> he had, like, a weird pot belly, and he... Yeah. He had a weird face. You weren't into that. I went, oh, no. <laughs> um, So I guess he was pretty charismatic, and he was basically a people-pleaser. Uh-huh telling people whatever to make sure they're okay and that he is in good standing with the people is talking to and that drove john adams mad <laughs> he was like you know stand up for yourself have an opinion sure so they sense. were very very opposite when it comes to that gotcha yeah but anyway cool That's i like the that end. story yeah i don't like that he married his third cousin but i need to just move on past that <laughs> It happened back then a lot. Uh, that's why we're all so messed up today. <laughs> Maybe that's why Ben Franklin looked funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. If you're interested in hi- in American history and you haven't already watched that John Adams doc, it's not really it's not a documentary, but it's based on history. Yeah, it sounds cool. I'm yeah. gonna watch it. Um. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This was a good episode. Um. We have over a hundred downloads. Woohoo! So that's fun. We're very excited about that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for um, being again so supportive. I know I said it. I've said it five times so far. I'm gonna keep saying it mm-hmm. until it's hit a million. And then, then we're not gonna be appreciative anymore. Yeah, I do cap my appreciation. <laughs> Um, but we'll get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the end. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.